The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Thank you so much, Bill, for your loving leadership and, uh, and kindness over the years. Uh, I'm opening up uh, Proclaim basically just to, to, to set up, it's not going to be a full testimony, but I want you to think about where you fit in Proclaim, please. I read in uh, 1 Corinthians 3 where Paul says, you know, Paul planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And what we're talking about is God's rescue plan, and I'm a Marine, so we used to say keep it simple, stupid, but we're going to keep it simple as God talking to me, keep it simple, son. And if you look at the first two chapters of Genesis, you see that God loves people so much. He created us in his image, and there was a war, and there's a battle, and there's sin comes in, and there was a separation. And the rest of the book is God's rescue plan for us. God's rescue plan, and I'd ask for you, where do you fit in Proclaim? I want to share just a few, not my full testimony in Christ, how it came, but how certain people impacted my life. Teachers, do I have any teachers in here? Please raise your hand if you're a teacher, please. Thank you very much. Because there was Miss Polly Cambu Boudreaux, this little five-foot-nothing woman in Louisiana going to an all-boys school where she stood out teaching French and journalism, and Christ so shined in her life she lived it, she loved it, she shared it, she invited us to join, to go to their youth groups. She was a bold, loving witness and person that impacted my life. Thank you, teachers. I have any, I have any coaches in here? Any coaches? Coaches, please raise your hand. I got a couple coaches in here. Coaches, your impact on young men and women may be so profound. And I pray for you. Uh, if uh, I want to say about Al Bass. Now, I'm from Louisiana. And Al Bass, if you can look over and see Pastor Milton, he made Pastor Milton look small. And somehow he was even balder. I don't know that. But this, but this very large, I say, happened to be black man, had such an impact on a young man who was striving so hard to prove himself, either in the classroom on the field, and he lived Jesus Christ through his principles, through his life, through his words and his actions. He shared. And then do I have any parents here, any brothers, sisters? That should be everybody. I want to tell you about a family that I was working in the state senate, and Robert and Margaret Dalton and their two children, Jennifer and Stephen, had something so different about them. They made time to spend with this guy who maybe looked like he knew he had something going, but was so clueless. And at the opportune moment, Miss Margaret Dalton, who is now suffering from uh, most probably Alzheimer's, etc. Miss Margaret Dalton, she's now 80 years old, looked at this young man and said, Brian, do you know there's someone who knows everything about you and still loves you? 
And I said, that's impossible. She shared the gospel with me. Pastor Robert shared the gospel. They opened up their home to me. And the impact for eternity, God's rescue mission for his son, I pray, is echoing through others and others' people's lives. I appreciate we've got Rafi and RJ and some of the guys that I was blessed to love on years, years and years ago coming back. So encouraging. But I pray today as Pastor Bill shares that you would see your part in God's perfect plan to save lives. Not to judge, but to change people's hearts for eternity and souls. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for my brother. Thank you so much for Bill and your, his obedient heart. I pray that we would see your plan in our lives. That we realize when we accept you, your free gift, that we are now your workmanship. Created for good works that we should walk in them that you planned. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Brian, the point of bringing up my dear friend is he's one of the best relational outreach people you can imagine. And it's because people reached out with him. I'm just going to cry throughout this service. That anyone would be lost eternally has motivated everything I've done since I was about 19 years old. And it was because of people like Brian and uh, my son, uh, right in, in God's providence, my son Brennan's back there. He's a coach. He was a soccer player. One of the finest young men I know is his friend Rafi, who, who by a strange coincidence came from another faith background. And Brendan was able, being in close proximity to him on teams, to pray for him and see Rafi come to Jesus to such a degree that he left his faith faith roots under some level of um, pushback and went to Liberty College of all places, Liberty University, and then on to medical school, and now he's a physician in Pennsylvania. And his parents' pride and joy and a devout Christian entirely committed to Jesus. Now, this happened through something called sphere of influence evangelism. And if I said... If I say anything of any value this morning, it comes from this man. There was a little lady, uh, Clark Hedrick's wife, uh, uh, his mom. Are you here this morning? My gosh, this is... <laughs> Who goes to High Desert? Do you still go to High Desert or somewhere else? High Desert Church. Came to me at a soccer game. And Lizzie's mom started talking to me about her church. And she talked about something. At the time, it was called Oikos. We may use different terminology. We'll, we'll use a relational world or sphere of influence. But everything in that church uh, uh, that she expressed to me made me desirous of that in my heart. And it simply 
as he says, if I say anything good, as, as Tom Mercer, the writer of this book, 8 to 15, the world is smaller than you think. And you know, I've spent my life, I probably am, if I were categorized, I'm probably an evangelist more than anything else. I don't know what, else, what I am really. So I did large field craziness for a good part of my lifetime. But this book points us to something I think more uh, uh, pointed, more easy. Not all of us can go out with a microphone and be crazy, but we can love the 8 to 15 people right around us. That's normally our family. Let me start to read to you from the scriptures, and then we'll talk about it. But it's so good to see you, ma'am, in this, in this building this morning. This is the strangest thing, but it is the Lord. She talked to me about this idea, and it captivated me. And it captivates me more now than ever. This is an hour in our country where people need the Lord. We look in all these, these segmented units of humanity and try to find help through certain social things. But the bottom line of all of life is Jesus Christ is Lord and he changes people from the inside out. Christians in Ephesus in 100 AD, this is in 1 John 1 through 10, my commentary information, were called by John to be part of uh, the idea of hagios, which means holy. He was the preacher. John is the one who, who stood at the foot of Jesus' um, cross, who Jesus said to take care of his mother, who may have written a large part of the New Testament, John, the first, three Johns, and then Revelation. He was just such a special, beloved disciple, and we have the opportunity to listen to him here. And in, in 100 AD, he was in Ephesus, and the word hagios meant saint. That means a holy one, different. Some, and some in the era apparently were tired and bored with being saintly. Maybe that's what's happened to America. I don't know. I've never seen it be saintly, but maybe that's what some are thinking. Holy and different. And they were losing his church, led by a disciple, a close disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, was losing their way. There was sin coming from within the church, and therefore spiritual weakness and powerlessness, losing sight of the change that Jesus creates in the human soul is to envelop oneself in spiritual darkness. But John's had this to say in love, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, he's referring to Jesus, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, Concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it. We have seen him, it might as well say, and testify to him and proclaim, there's the key word. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us and which we have seen. We have seen and heard. We proclaim, proclaim, proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Remember, we started this series with a prayer, then it went to praise, and now we're talking about proclaiming what we pray about and what we praise the Lord Jesus Christ and his ability to change us from the inside out. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, light is beautiful, light cleanses things, and we do not, and, 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 uh, and in him is no darkness 
at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He's talking to the people that are drifting, that are losing it. Maybe you're, you're needing of this message this morning. Maybe you're drifting and you think nobody knows, but God knows. And you're losing this wonderful grip of a power beyond yourself to change your world, your relational world. The people you really, truly love that you want to see come to Jesus have to first see Jesus in you. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the truth is not in us. When I came to Jesus, he had done such a radical thing in my life. I still had all kinds of baggage and garbage in my life where my friends and I were still somewhat crazy. But little by little, inch by inch, he was carving and sculpting and forgiving and cleansing and making me new. And they began, those around me, began to change because I had changed. I had been close to people, really close at my university, and they were different. And being around them made me feel better. And when I embraced their Jesus, it made me feel cleansed and renewed and opened up all kinds of realms of possibility. My heart, the night I was uh, uh, convicted of sin and came to Jesus, was filled with a love that wasn't manufactured. It was bequeathed. It was given. It was processed and passed to a sinner such as me. Well, to change our world, we need the Pentecostal power for the Pentecostal uh, purpose. We need Jesus, and we need to walk closely in love to those around us. Inciting the growth of the kingdom of God, first with the 8 to 15 people that are close to you, in your sphere of influence, your household first, your relational world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all men while well, it starts with you and then emanates out like a stone dropped in the water. To reach them, you will be made by the Lord. To reach that eight to 15 people in your relational world, in your household, it's going to take you reflecting Jesus. Here is your responsibility, not to go to everyone. Here's what we're made for, to be world changers in our little world. I have 31 grandchildren now, which came out of essentially 18 children. They're all Christians, not because of anything good in me, but because of you. And the reflection of Christ's goodness and glory and Brian Roberts and Sarah and all these different people. They, they lived among them. They saw the difference in their life and then they went out into a world that they loved. And that crazy kid that comes up here and sings and preaches to you in his own neighborhood. I didn't even know this stuff. At about 15 or something, he went out with others, some that are in this church now or will be here this morning, and played his guitar and sang of the goodness of God to more than his 8 to 15, to his high school, to make a difference. Why? Because even as a teenager, Jesus meant something to him. And these people were part of his relational world. 
We have a much smaller world to reach than you have fantasized. You don't have to go out and cold preach. You don't have to stand at every street corner and grab somebody by the lapels and preach Christ to them that way. You simply have to ask God for grace to live a life pleasing to him before the people in your small world. This is often called a family unit, but it consists of more than our biological family. It is our 8 to 15 family. It may be a waitress. It may be a, a, a sports person like Brian. It may be somebody just very close. But that's who we want to open up the greatest gift we know uh, to give them. Those are the ones. It's right next to you. It's your son. It's your brother. You know, the boy in my family that died in Afghanistan, Ryan Jeske, Ryan came to Jesus. He could not put his own life together. He was such an intense individual and problematic in many ways that his dad, who was not a Christian, said, Bill, will you talk to him? And so Ryan was part of my relational world. I'm no big deal. I couldn't do anything to convert this man, but I sat at a table with him and told him what Jesus had done for me. And Ryan Jeske received the Lord <clears throat> Jesus Christ that night. Part of it was Brian's influence. Brian was a big influence because Ryan was bound and determined to be a United States Marine. And he gave his life for his country. And he married one of the cutest girls on God's green earth. And I talked to him. Check this out. Here's how serious this stuff is. I talked to, to her on the phone. And they had called me because they wanted me to perform their marriage. And I said I couldn't for certain moral issues that I want, don't want to go into in this room. And that dear girl who did not yet know Christ, I had the privilege. I think that day, I think in that phone call, because she became my oath to pray with her to receive Jesus. She's still following the Lord after the death of her husband, remarriage, children. She is one of the most dynamic Christians you're ever going to meet. And changing her oikos, her 8 to 15, her world, how and why? Because Jesus took residence in her heart. This is often called a family unit. And that's, in a sense, what it is. And we can feed it with gifts of love and the forgiveness of sins and life evermore and love unspeakable, joy unspeakable and full of glory. For you, it may be the waitress at the table or someone you've spent time with for years and you want them to come in, but you don't know what to do. Here's what you do. You live the life before them. You earn the right to say something. And I know we're weak and I know we fail. But this is a wake-up call to say the fields are white under harvest and you are Jesus Christ's laborers in, in a mission field. Mercer states, I love these numbers. Let me tell you something. I'll, I'll interrupt with this. I wanted to do this. I had a little girl in my youth group whose name was Sharon. Uh, we, we, uh, she was not known, basically, at Oakton High School. She was not a named person. She worked with um, special needs kids. And she decided on her own to sign up to be considered for Miss Oakton. Now, nobody basically knew her except a small group of people. And she shows up at Miss Oakton and she's got to be there. So her friends came along and it just so happened that what Sharon did in her side uh, gig, if you will, was she went down to the Washington Monument in these different places and sat in front of a band and sang the glory of her God and King, the triumphs of his grace. And so she gets there at Oakton High School, and the guy that came up before the announcer, this is the state of play 25 years ago, who knows what it is today, begins to make obscene comments about girls in front of their parents. He was unashamed. It was just like, don't get me going on that. But this little girl stands up, and these, this group of 
high-powered musicians is backing her up. And again, nobody knows her, and there's a group of judges in front of her. And she begins the song somewhat like this. I didn't remember all the words, but caught again, my faithless friend. Don't you ever tire of hearing what a fool I've been. She's talking about someone listening to her foolishness. What can I say? And then she talks about sin in the song. And her song just starts rising to heaven. And she goes, it's your stubborn love that never lets go of me. I don't understand how you can stay. Precious love, embracing the worst in me. I will never let you go. I believe I finally know I cannot live without your stubborn love. It was because of people like you growing close to Sharon that she had the sanctified guts to put that in front of everybody in the room. Oakton High School's auditorium was packed for that moment. And you see these little people up in the front calculating who's going to be Miss Oakton. And this unknown person had touched their hearts to such a degree that she became Miss Oakton. (laughs) God works wonders through these little groups. She was in a Christian home. She had Christian friends, and she lived a life that the people in the audience who knew her, some of them, could not repudiate. And she spoke of the grace of God, which we all need in her song. And it was filled with beauty, and it enraptured them because Jesus was in her. You know, 95, doctor, it's not doctor, Pastor Mercer says 95%, studies have been shown, I'm not going to go through all the numbers, but I just want to hit you with a couple. 95% of people come to faith in Christ over the history of the church, through close relationships, through um, uh, 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 their households, and uh, those that are in their uh, world, their sphere of influence, it's you. They're right around you. You don't have to go anywhere. They're right there. And your little boy is watching you, Dad. Your little girl is watching you, ma'am. And they're making decisions over the period of time as to what they want to be. And I can guarantee you, if they see Jesus in you, that has an eternal impact on their soul. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. 95% of people. Check this out. 8 to 15 people reached. You know, in China, what we're told is, I believe at the turn of the century, uh, forgive me, in 1949, there were approximately 130,000 Chinese evangelicals. A late uh, study indicates that there are something like 130 million evangelicals in China. And if you ask them where to go, they go to church, they say, I don't go to church, I am the church. In other words, it is Christ in us that makes the difference And they win people because it's dangerous to talk about Jesus there through their intimate relationships, the 8 to 15 people right around them. I don't have time to go through the list of people in my family have come to Christ, but it's a lot. 
not right next door, not because of me, because of something going on that only Jesus does. Just in having them, they grow curious. They grow, if you will, thirsty. They grow hungry. I can guarantee this apart from Christ. There is no other game in town. There is no other way. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There have been studies done with America. And they seem to indicate that something like 96% are the at least interested in attending churches. Something like 96%. That same number was stated. About that percentage of people, if asked, indicate in these profound studies done by numerous people and repeated over and over in different states, if someone just asked them to come to church, they would be inclined to go. Now, think if they're your best buddy or if you're, they're your Uncle John. My dad would send me out. <laughs> My dad came to Christ because someone was crazy enough at VMI to talk to a group of key debts, hard guys, trust me, and tell them about Jesus. And apparently he raised his hand and put it down. That was about the extent of it, but Christ came into his life. Later he, he was a, 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 a vestryman in his church. But what he would do at parties, because he knew me and he knew I'd talk about Jesus and he was everything to me. He'd sent me after his <laughs> drunken aunt over there and said, Bill, she needs the Lord. Words to that effect. He didn't know what to do. He didn't, he didn't know how to share his faith because his particular uh, denomination, that wasn't their cup of tea. But friends, it's our cup of tea. It's everything. All of life revolves around the issue of who Jesus Christ is. And heaven and hell hang out here. A choice to be made that can either make a ruinous ending for you because of your sins, not because God doesn't love you, but because you have done that which is evil in his sight. I did. Beyond belief, really, we can minimize it. I was the nicest kid in the, in the universe, but... What I had done in my heart and mind in the privacy of my craziness was despicable. I would be justly defined as someone who should be punished for eternity. And yet he chose to love me. And if he could love me, I know he loves you. And not only that, he would do anything. And that's why you're there for the 8 to 15 people in your religious world. You know, the studies said they tend to not think pastors just exist to make money off you. They tend to have a, those that don't know the Lord yet, don't go to church, have a good impression of, of um, people like me. And what you should do as I conclude today is make a list somewhere of the 8 to 15 people that are close by. It's really easy. One, one wife of a pastor heard that she was afraid of doing cold call and, and how do I reach people. But when he described Tom Mercer, it's just your buddies. It's just your friends. It's just your kids. And just saying, Jesus loves you. How about that? But more importantly, ask him for grace to live a life that reflects his glory. Well, I can't, Bill. I can't. No, you're right. You can't. But he can. He can. One little lady in Newport News, I'll, I'll close with this. Make a list. Check it twice. Not to find out who's naughty and nice. 
but to see who God in his providence has set uniquely and supernaturally in your relational world and then pray for them and then stand fast in the goodness of the Lord and see what he does right around you. Mercer started this with a few hundred people in his church. Ended up with 12,000. I don't care about numbers in this church. I don't. What I care about is numbers in our world. What I care about is the eternal destiny of man. What I care about is China. What I care about is Iran. You know, Iran is having massive revivals kind of unspoken back behind the scene in opposition to the tyrannical people that they're being run by. And yet, what if some of those tyrannical people are in an 8 to 15 and somebody's praying for them and acting like Jesus? What might happen to our world? Let's bow our heads to pray. 8 to 15, Lord. 8 to 15. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, put the people that you want to use us to talk to about Christ in our life Lord, let no one feel condemned or confused that they have to do this in their own strength. But Lord, put the words in our hearts. Lead, guide, and direct us in the days ahead. And we thank you for your loving kindness and not only forgiving us and saving us, but in showing us your stubborn love that never lets go of us. If you don't know Jesus Christ, a Confess, admit you're a sinner. B, believe Christ is the only Savior. There's no other name under heaven and earth by which men may be saved, the Bible says. C, choose to follow him. You're following something. Why not the beauty of his person? If that's your desire, you can do that right now in this moment. Let's bow our heads one more time. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer, if there's even one here that wants to receive you, receive them even now. Touch them and fill them with your spirit, A, B, and C. Choose to follow him, my dear friends.